It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway or Kyrie when he make a trade and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday, wherever it is that you are going, taking us along with you. It is much appreciated. Thanks for making us part of your Celtics life. It's It really means a lot to us. We're the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Sam Jam Packard, who is traversing America on his summer tour of summer tour of love or something. Yeah, it's the summer of jam. Summer um, jam. I'm finally back in the podcast world. Uh, it's been a while. I, I haven't been back since the loss after Game Seven, so done a lot of soul searching, and I think uh, I think it's time for me to return. You guys need my takes, and I need to give them. I I want to do like the jam van and have you like cruising around in an old VW <laughs> bus and just dress it up all nice, almost mystery machine ish, but not quite. I can just pull over to different construction sites and have the construction noises in the in the background, so the, the listeners at home feel comfortable. No, totally. I'm gonna have to edit that that in. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable how quiet <laughs> the background is for you. Uh, today we are going to be talking about a few different things. We're in the middle of the off season now, so it's the draft is going to come up on us quickly. But uh, there's at this point we're kind of piecing things together. We haven't really had a a good solid Colangelo burner Twitter take, so we'll do that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the finals. We're recording this before game two, so we will not be reacting to game two. We'll do that, I guess, in the next show, but we'll talk about what we've seen so far in game one. And we'll start with kind of a – we'll reset, like, the whole offseason, the salary cap, the – you know, what the Celtics have, the options that they have. So we'll get into a little bit of technical stuff. You guys, I'm sure, love technical financial podcasting. That's what we're here for. So let's just dive right into that. The Celtics go into this offseason with a big decision to make about Marcus Smart. He's a restricted free agent. He's got a qualifying offer that they will make that's going to be just about $6 million. So they do have guaranteed committed just under $105 million, and I'm going to assume that they're going to pick up the non-guaranteed years of Shemi Ojale and Daniel Tice. Uh, they're, they're each going to be paid just under $1.4 million. Just think about that for a second. Daniel Tice, as important as he has shown himself to be, Shemi Ojale, who got some meaningful minutes in this playoff run, will be back next year, each of them, for less than $1.4 million. Let's just stew on that for a moment. That's great. That's amazing. I was actually going thinking the other day just about how much the Celtics missed Daniel Tice, and I convinced myself that if he was there for uh, 
against the Cavs. It would have totally changed the series. Everyone's forgetting about Tice, but the fact that him and Semi or Shemi are going to come back for that price is is wonderful for the Celtics. But it's, what's not wonderful is uh, it seems like they owe money to a, a lot of other players and yeah. don't have that much cap space moving forward. So having gone through the calculations, the projected projected cap next year is going to be uh, about – 101 million that's up 2 million from last year the luxury tax is somewhere around 123 million that's the the luxury tax line we've talked about this a bunch but we'll reset it here the the celtics i assume want to avoid the tax next season if they can i know that Ainge and the ownership has said they're willing to pay it but i think deep down they would like if they can to avoid it because the repeater tax kicks in after three years of paying the tax and the penalties, the tax penalties just go up a lot. Your, your, that tax bill is already going to be big no matter what, but then you can essentially double or triple it the way it, it, it's moving on uh, down the line with the repeater tax. So it makes sense that they don't, they like, they'd like to avoid that. So that For as would, long as possible, at least as long as possible. So if they can keep it under $123 million next year, I think that would be their preference. But again, if they are sitting there on the precipice and thinking, this is it, we've got an opportunity. Maybe something has gone wrong in Golden State. Maybe they've had to make a move, whatever. Something went wrong in Houston. Maybe they didn't bring back Chris Paul. And they, the Celtics feel like, this is it. Now's the time. Then you just... If, if you have to pay the luxury tax, then you just pay it because you're going to go. If you think you're going to win the title this year, you just go for it. So you start with Marcus Smart because if he gets somewhere $10 million a year or less, then the Celtics basically have $5.5 million left to spend before they get to that luxury tax. So it's it basically all starts with Marcus Smart. Like, I guess the sense is what, what do, what do we think is going to happen with Smart? I've always, I've been harping on this two year, 20 to 22, 23, $24 million. If they could do that and keep this number low enough to at least have a, a little bit of money to sign a free agent, then that, that would be ideal for both sides. Smart would be the 12th player under contract. That includes the 27th pick in the draft. They would have essentially three slots left to pay people in that five, five and a half million. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, ideally, that's what, what you'd want. It's just with the comments coming from Smart where he's talking about contracts in a, a 12 to 14 range and thinking he's more valuable than that. It comes down to whether what the market is outside of that um, and what kind of offers he can get. I'm not sure what the exactly what the other teams are with cap space, but we've seen in the past kind of teams like the Nets um, just willing to throw out big numbers at guys just – just for the sake of doing it, just there's no reason, there's no incentive for the any other teams in the league to to kind of make the Celtics' jobs easier. So, it's it's a there is a world out there where I mean, ideally the Celtics would like love a deal around that phrase, but or stage. But I don't know, maybe a team like the Indiana Pacers comes out and just offers Marcus 15 million dollars a year, a deal that I don't think Marcus Smart is necessarily worth. But um, when you have that, like when you have cap room and money to spend, we've seen teams like the Blazers with, I guess, Alan Crabb and Evan Turner. Teams in the NBA are plenty willing to spend money. And Marcus Smart, uh, even though he's not a productive shooter and people, people in the NBA, I think have, are starting to catch on that he has a, has a huge impact and it, it um, impacts winning for, to borrow a phrase from dear leader Brad. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's very hard to tell what the, what the market's going to be. And it, it's, it's nice that the the Celtics have that restricted free agency and have the ability to match, but it's there's really nothing to stop uh, kind of those other teams and from just kind of messing this up. So I'm going to be fascinated to to see what happens because I I feel like Marcus Smart, and this is entirely based on conjecture and my own personal feelings, is uh, enjoys being a Celtics, enjoys playing for the organization and uh, playing for Brad and uh, under Danny Ainge, and so it's this willingness to take a, a discount deal to play with. I mean, if he resigns, the, the I mean, even if he doesn't resign, the Celtics are automatically a contender to win the Eastern Conference. So is it? It's it's kind of a weird pressure to put on Marcus Smart. It's like, do you want to be part of this winner, or do you want to go out there and make as money much as money as possible? Normally, I'm all for the players making as much money as possible, but like being in the environment where you enjoy, where you it's kind of the only uh, coach you know, and you know that you're appreciated there. There's definitely an incentive for him to come back, but. It's very hard to figure out what other teams are going to – how other teams value Marcus Smart um, and what they'd be willing to pay because that can, that can really set the market. There's the the Celtics, even though they do have the ability to match, they don't have that much control of the scenario you know, because of free agency. That's how it works. That's how it works. And, and look, there, there's definitely going to be some gamesmanship. Everybody has respect for one another in the league, but you're also – in a way trying to screw each other over you're trying to win trades you're trying to win these deals you're trying to if you can't get a guy in restricted free agency you're trying to at least do something that hurts the team that he's going back to that's the whole poison pill provision that's the whole um uh what's his name daryl morey in houston like he he invented the poison pill where you pay the guy for two years and then in the third year you you give him like a, a, a massive raise 
and they've since kind of relaxed the rules on that a little bit and changed how it could be calculated. But no matter what, they can, another team, if they want, they know what Marcus Smart can make. They know what the Celtics need to stay at. If I can come up with the numbers, every team in the NBA has already come up with the numbers of what Marcus Smart would, what he would need to make to trigger a luxury tax this season for the Celtics. So, and in free agency, teams overpay to get players. Like, that's how you lure them away. If you just offer a guy what he's worth, then he's probably just going to stay with the team. So when you're luring a free agent away, you have to give him a few million more than he might normally be paid. So that's why the market for Al Horford was what it was, and that's why he's making so much money. People argue that he's overpaid, and you might be able to say, yeah, he's overpaid by a few million dollars, because if you don't, he would have stayed with the Hawks. And you don't want to give him the money to stay with the Hawks. You wanted to get him the money to come to Boston or Oklahoma City was pursuing him. Golden State was pursuing him and all of that stuff. So Marcus Smart, if a team wants Marcus Smart, could get offered $14 million. And then the Celtics would have to make a decision. That's where a lot of this stuff really comes into play. If he does go sign an offer sheet that starts at $14 million, the Celtics are going to have to really look at that because then they won't have money to sign somebody else. They'll have to say either, sorry, we're not we're not matching, and then they'll take that money, and then, then the other things can come into play to to make up for it. But let I've I've been talking a lot, but let me let me just paint this scenario and I'll stop. If they do not match Marcus Smart and they say, All right, bye, then that six million that the qualifying offer goes away and then the Celtics would have money to spend. They'd still be over the cap, but what they would get is the mid-level exception, the full mid-level exception, which is about eight and a half million dollars, a biannual exception, which is like $3.4 million. They can split that up, but they would essentially have $12 million there to go out and sign other players. So there's that scenario as well. Like they, they could say, Sorry, Marcus, you're too expensive for us. And then they would get those other things to kind of go out and spend and get free agents. So there is another path. There is another way. And that would just basically mean that Terry Rozier plays Marcus Smart's role next year. Yeah, and it's a nice fallback option for them to have. Uh, I was just looking at other free agents, and I think that something that, that might benefit the Celtics in terms of this Marcus Smart market is there's there's a number of kind of quality shooting guards out there that you, I think – um, if you're just looking for kind of traditional scoring from the shooting guard, there, there are players out there who I think might command more money than Marcus Smart. J.J. Reddick's a free agent. Uh, Avery Bradley's uh, still a free agent. I think he would probably have a better reputation in terms of Marcus Smart, although he's coming after injury. Will Barton. It's not like Marcus Smart's the only kind of shooting guard on the on the market. And so it's going to be very interesting to see. I, you, but I agree. I think – there's a real hesitancy for, I think, in just in general, in the NBA fans to let someone go for nothing. You always want to get value for someone. And so I think people would be – I think no matter what, people are going to be upset because it's the offseason and people just like getting mad and uh, that things haven't happened. But I think letting Marcus Smart go, as I, I think I would prefer to keep him. But with that said, it does open up that cap space. And the Celtics already have a pretty deep roster um, and they, I think they would be able to use that mid-level and the buy-in. I think one, 
Um, that makes it much easier to bring back Aaron Baines, who we've seen has been a, a, a great defensive player for the Celtics. And I think the Celtics would love to have him back. Um, but you're right with Terry Rozier kind of just being able to seamlessly step into that, the, that point guard off the bench. I don't think it would be the, the worst thing in the world if Marcus Smart like goes and gets his money. I think the Celtics are definitely planning for that contingency. And, um, I think they're like, that's something they're, they're plenty willing to do, uh, because the Marcus Smart is what the seventh best player on this team right now, if we factor back in Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving, and it's, so it's like a nice contingency plan for the Celtics to have um, either way. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen, and we that's what makes know. it fun. I, I think one thing that you look you look at Shemi Ojale, he had an okay rookie year. Okay, it was okay. It wasn't great at all. Like shooting wise, he was terrible, but. I, I do believe that that form is there. Like I do believe that he has the the touch that can come back. Um, so I'm not necessarily looking at Ojale's rookie year shooting as a problem. I, I think he can he can fix that. Uh, and the return of Daniel Tice, like we said at the beginning, is important. Now let's look at this entire roster. If you go into the season, you're, you're with everybody healthy and no Marcus Smart, if he signs somewhere else, uh, then you start with Kyrie, Hayward, Tatum, Brown, and Horford as your starting five. With Rozier, uh, Mook. Mook Morris would be back. Yep. Uh, and then you would have to – Would you? what would you get from Ojale? Daniel Tice would definitely be heavily involved. Um you could bring back Baines. I mean, why not run it back with Baines? He, you, you, you had the number one defense in the league with Baines as the anchor. Uh, why not? Why not? And hey, look, he, he started to shoot. So maybe you get a guy who can space the floor out of him all of a sudden. So I guess my point is, if you can use that mid-level to bring in a decent shooting forward, or I don't know, do you go? Do you go after Trevor Ariza? What's what's he going to make? I mean, he's, he made uh, $8 million last year. Is he going to want to raise? Or are they going to let him go? Uh, I think the, the question is, is like, what skill set would you be missing most without Marcus Smart? I think I think his defensive versatility, uh, I mean, his ability to bar, guard bigs uh, and just switch on to everything would be huge. But I think a lot of that is mitigated by the return of Gordon Hayward, who's taller and a I don't think Hayward is, is, is as fast and can guard guards as well, but I think he provides some of that switching. Um, but it's like, what what type of player, if Marcus Smart did walk and considering the bench, would you want to replace? I think, I mean, the, 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 the cliche phrase is a three and D guy. And so it's easier to say that phrase than actually find that. But that's kind of the kind of the guy you would be looking for. I think Trevor Reese is a, a, like a name like that. I don't know if he, his money would uh, would be there, but um that's the kind of I think maybe like a, a someone like Wayne Ellington from um, Miami. He's uh, unrestricted free agent. He's certainly a good shooter, and he's the type of guy at that money. But basically, you'd be looking for just a, a guard. I think a, a bigger guard or just a wing player with some defensive versatility who can shoot. Um, and it's easier said than done, but that's the biggest thing I think they would miss without Marcus Smart because his offense clearly, uh, at least his shooting, is not. I mean. You're not going to miss a 25% three-point shooter. You maybe maybe his backup point guard, his playmaking, but I think that can easily be replaced. I don't think 
scoring is going to be an issue for this team um, with Kyrie and uh, Hayward back. But is it possible that Shemi Ojale can step in and give at least some level of that? I think defensively, absolutely. I don't think I think offensively, it's entirely a different thing. I don't. I'm not putting the ball in Shemi's hands and asking him to run pick and rolls. No, totally um, not. No, absolutely. But I, yeah, I think he. I think his. Like he was the whatever kind of tier two conference he was in. He was their player of the year. He scored 20 points a year, uh, game in college. Like yeah, I, I think we haven't seen the best offensively from Shemi, and so I think he can definitely be in there and be a defensive guy who's a, a better role player. It's just that backup, um, those point guard minutes. And I expect Tito to get um, – he's gotten better every single year and added facets to his game. Uh, I think he's – the thing he's going to focus on the most in the offseason is kind of that playmaking out of the pick and roll. So I expect him to be a, a better in that regard. Um, but I think Shemi could re- easily step in and, and I don't want to say do the same um, defensively because I think Marcus Smart's one of the better defenders in the NBA. But Shemi is quite good. It's just about the, I guess, guard defense – um and Marcus Smart's ability to defend pretty much one through four or five sometimes, but it's the guard defense that I think they're really going to miss. Um, and so I don't know if if you want Shemi on shooting guards, but also I think Gordon Hayward um returning and having it so he can guard the kind of the best uh, I guess wing player and that leaves Jalen Brown free. I think there's it's an embarrassment of riches, and so I don't think the loss of Marcus Smart would be. The biggest thing. All that being said, I prefer they resign him just because uh, of all the crazy things that he does. But I think the Celtics are operating from a position of strength right now. Yeah, which is why that why I don't think that they're going to offer him a ton. And I I don't think if someone swoops in with a big offer, I don't think they're going to match at all costs. So I don't know what the word is going to be out there, but th- there are a ton of free agents that are going to get their money first. And so I'm sure the Celtics are going to, when they have the opportunity, negotiate with Marcus Smart and say, hey, look, this is what we can afford. We can do this. Uh, I'm, I'm just completely fixated on a two-year deal because I think it just works for everybody around. So they can pay him some money. He could stick around uh, and maybe go get even more rather than play for the qualifying offer. Hey, look, if he wants to play for the qualifying offer, that's fine, too, because that's a $6 million deal, and that that gives the Celtics a lot of money to play with as well. They could turn around and use that mid-level exception and go out and and hopefully target a a decent free agent or use some of it to to bring Baines back, maybe, and just kind of run it back with just, just... Kyrie and, <laughs> and Hayward. Sometimes the words, the phrasing it strikes you. So uh, I, I see value in running it back. You bring the same team back for the most part. Uh, you, you bring Baines back and he's, he's, he's good. He knows the system. And again, if he can step out and make the occasional corner three, Next season, it has just a weird dimension. I can't even say it without laughing because it's just such a weird thing to suddenly have possibly available. But you throw Tice into that mix. I think Tice is going to be really important next year. Uh, and I do I do have high hopes for Rogelay. I think he can come in and be a wing defender in a they, – they can go – they can go with so many options. I don't think people understand how good uh, Gordon Hayward is defensively. That's a thing. I don't think people understand Gordon. Like Gordon Hayward's a star. I think Gordon Hayward would have been the best player on the Celtics just in terms of two-way, um, his contributions on defense and on offense. 
I think people have severely underestimated how Gordon Hayward is. And it's all this kind of crazy, let's trade Kyrie, trade Gordon Hayward talk, which I think is uh, clearly poppycock. But I just I think people are drastically underestimating how, how good Gordon Hayward is and how much of an impact he would have had on this team. <laughs> poppycock, watch your language, man. <laughs> let's I've trans- said much worse on the podcast. You have. You have. Uh, let's transition into the stupid trade rumors. Ooh, good fun. Yeah, we're going to trade Jalen Brown to the Mavericks for the for the number five pick, and the Celtics are going to throw into the 27th pick, and the Mavericks are the ones with uh, – we're a little bit hesitant to make that deal. Yeah, like the, some of the really stupid rumors that are floating out there. What was the other one? Well, there was the there was the potential for uh, going up to get Mo Bamba, but no, no mention of who was involved in that interest. But whenever people say, oh, yeah, well, Jalen Brown would have to be involved. Like, no, 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 he wouldn't. <laughs> you know, what? why would you move into the top five of this draft to draft anybody with Jalen Brown? Like, no, no, you're good. This team, this team's good. You would... <laughs> Unless you think that Doncic is like the guy and you want to go up and go balls out to get him. But that's if if. He's the guy, the team that has the rights to pick him, either Phoenix or Sacramento. Why would they? Why would they move him? And if they did move him, you would have to give up so much that it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. This team is on the cusp. Why would anybody? Why would Ainge trade Brown or anybody besides? I can see like a Rozier kind of floating that interest out there how much how high in this draft can rosier plus the 27th pick get me but that's that's about it there's so much trade or like draft thirst and i think it's because the celtics have had the nets picked the past couple of years so every all celtics fans are like used to watching a bunch of draft express videos and trying to figure out who they're going to pick like this team's primed to win like right now and they have Jalen brown who's 21 like, there's no reason to trade him. There's no reason to move off Jalen Brown. Like, what the the guy you could draft, maybe he'll turn into Jalen Brown. Like, there's – it just seems like the Celtics <laughs> right. really want – or not Celtics. Celtics fans are just desperate to, to have more fun around the draft again or just, like, really thirsty for a top pick. But it's just – it's why add another 19 – like, we're incredibly spoiled in the fact that Tatum and Brown have able to contribute at such a young age. But that's not, like, a normal thing. Why would you kind of mess up or give away two known contributors for an unknown when you know you're going to be basically competing for the a championship next year? It just the kind of the trade the trade rumors makes very little sense to me. It, like why there's such thirst to go up and get uh, a top five pick? It just doesn't seem like that's what you this Celtics team needs. They need they need additions on the fringes. They're they're not lacking in kind of upper echelon superstar like superstar talent that you get at the top of the draft it just seems unnecessary it seems rumors for rumor's sake and i'm complaining about rumors in nba twitter and this is the off season but like that that's clearly gonna happen but hopefully the like a rosier trade makes more sense especially if you're planning on committing to a, a kind of big money to marcus smart because i think tito is going to command uh, kind of the same amount of money next off season that seems to make more sense to me but i don't know how high what Terry Rozier in the 27th pick gets you maybe like a, a, a low lottery pick. And is, even then, is that worth it? Like how often does 
um, a pick in the 10 to 14 range, really like the likelihood of it hitting, it just feels like making a move for the sake of making a move. And I'm all for rumors and speculation. I mean, that's what we do, uh, especially in the off season, but it's just, it, I don't get the thirst to try and add another top pick. Like you have known established NBA players who are quite good. There's no reason to give them away. Uh, they were one game away from the finals. Like they, it's, it's kind of insane. Just the, the, like the need to try and do something just for the sake of doing something. It's just, that's not the way I think the Celtics front office approaches things. They're going to be, they're not just trying to make deals. I mean, Trader Danny, he's known as Trader Danny, but he also gets criticized for never making a deal. So that's kind of confusing. I don't think he's desperate to just, uh, to kind of blow up this team, um, for the chance at more upside. No, I, I agree. Especially when you consider the Celtics have a bunch of first round picks in next year's draft. So th- the, potential for getting a guy to step in and help in the future. Like if we're looking at the two concurrent tracks that the Celtics are on, they are in the contend now with Hayward and Kyrie and the quick ascension of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But they're also in the win later with Tatum and Brown in their first and second years so you have their eventual restricted free agency where you can spend money to keep those two guys and build around them and you can add next year's potential second pick overall that comes from sacramento they also have next year's clippers pick potentially if it falls outside of the top 14 they also have the memphis pick if it falls outside of the top eight so they have a bunch of picks all lined up ready to either take or trade next year. So they can stock their team next year with young guys, potentially, uh, or it, they may have to wait a year to uh, for those picks to convey, but they have the potential in a best-case scenario draft-wise to have the second, ninth, and 15th pick in next year's draft, plus their own, which hopefully will be 30th. So that's that's not bad. And if you look at having all of those picks, what does that mean rumor-wise? It means that the Celtics, when Carl Anthony Towns really does say, screw this, I'm out of here, or Anthony Davis says, you know what, I can't, I can't take this anymore, and he's, I, I got get me out of here, at next year's trade deadline, everybody looks to the Celtics again because they've got young players and they've got all of these picks to offer. I mean, not a lot of teams have the potential for all of these picks. You can raid the first round and restock your team pretty quickly if you're if you're hitting the reset button. And who knows, whatever whatever players the Celtics give up at that point. But the potential for a big blockbuster deal exists down the road, which means there's no reason for Danny Ainge to use any of those assets to trade up in this year's draft because that's a crapshoot. He has the potential to make a blockbuster deal next trade deadline he's why waste any of the assets now it, it doesn't make any sense and I'm, I'm sorry for the the nba draft people out there you're just gonna have to do deeper research instead of figuring out the top five you got to really figure out who the Celtics are going to target at 27 that's the mock draft analysis that i'm going to be looking for it says those those uh nba draft people tell me who the Celtics should target at 27 because that's some those are some bold takes. If you can figure out that, then uh, I'm all for that. Because I really don't think the Celtics are going to be anywhere near the lottery in this draft. No, I doubt it. Again, I see the the value in using Rozier 
trading, you know, selling high on Rozier, using your pick and seeing where you can go up from there. If that can get you into like the 12 to 16 range, maybe, maybe, but that, that would definitely signal a commitment to Marcus Smart and signing him to a longer term deal, which is, is fine. And I would hate to see Rozier go, but teams, the same team very rarely comes back year to year. We've seen that. We, we know that from this past season. So as, as painful as it is from a fan perspective to see guys go, as much as we loved Avery Bradley, not many people were missing Avery Bradley this season. Everybody kind of got caught up in the moment and said, ah, this team's awesome. You, you move on. So we'll, you know, we'll just have to admire and meme Rozier from afar if that's how it goes. Oh yeah, he'll always he would always be in our hearts. But uh, it's kind of funny how players leave the Celtics and immediately lose value. And that's the thing I was thinking about Marcus Smart is like we talk about his impact winning and things like that, but he can only impact winning when it's a close game and you're, you're in the playoffs or doing something. Like Marcus Smart being on the Kings, he may be made, like make eighteen million dollars a year, but like there's not going to be any winning to impact. So I think he has much more value for a, a team like the Celtics, but. Um, you're right. I, I think they're they're in a place of position where you're worrying. There's like in off seasons past, it was really about worrying about adding that star power. But basically, the the starting lineup is off uh, is so good right now that worrying about kind of adding on the fringes is definitely a good place for the Celtics to be. Yeah, definitely. And look, if Marcus Smart wants to go get his money, and if he ends up going to a place like Sacramento, more power to him. I'm always on the player side on this. I, I there's no loyalty. We we're just talking about the Celtics potentially trading players. Though the second a player is potentially tradable, he'll be gone. And one of the reasons, actually, that Marcus Smart, the the Celtics want to sign him to a a deal in that ten to twelve million dollar range, is that it makes him very tradable. Like that's they're not they they want him back, but he's also a guy that you can throw in because you got to match salaries. So when you have a guy that makes ten million then you don't have to scrape together a bunch of young players to match a salary. You can put Marcus Smart with a couple of young players, and now salaries match, and you sweeten the pot with draft picks. So forget loyalty. Forget all of that stuff. Players, go get your money. If somebody wants to pay him a shit ton of money, and it's in a losing situation. It's not about he doesn't care about winning. It's not he's not loyal. It's that $18 million is a lot of goddamn money, and you got to go get your money because you're only going to be young for so long, and you have a very small window in the NBA to make a lot of money to set yourself up for a long life ahead of you. So go get that money now. I'm all about it from, from the player's perspective. Uh, I think they should absolutely be going for theirs. So – We'll see what happens with Marcus Smart and if that offer presents itself. All right. The Celtics are in a great position. I'm especially aware of that now that I'm in Philadelphia for the summer um, where their their offseason is uh, hilarious. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. What a smooth transition. Oh, thank you. Uh, But the fact that they haven't fired Brian Colangelo yet is – like they have – Huge offseason in front of them. They have basically max cap room. They have the number 10 pick. They need to be figuring all these things out. And, uh, oh, my God, this burner account situation. <laughs> uh, it was hilarious from the jump street. Now that it's come out that it probably was his wife um, making all the posts, it's a little bit uh, a sadder, and, and, but uh, we still got to get jokes off. And the people of Philadelphia are just desperate for them 
to fire Colangelo. And like the more that this goes on, um, it more it hurts the team. It just it doesn't make sense that they haven't said anything other than they're conducting an investigation. One, which is insane that they're going to pay some law firm probably like seven hundred dollars an hour to conduct an investigation when they can just turn to people of Sixers Twitter who have been doing great investigatory work uh, for free. Um, but it's it's kind of absurd just the the. The, the situation going on here in Philadelphia and it's like, do you think they have to fire him? I, even if it was his wife and he was completely unaware, it just feels like it, it would be very kind of awkward to, to bring him back at this point. I I've gone back and forth. Um, if it, if it was his wife, that just means that the stuff that she was tweeting is, was still true. Like that stuff that he said to her, so she knew that uh, uh, Okafor failed a physical. She would say that, you know, she, she would probably be mimicking a lot of things that he would say to her uh, to defend him in public. So it's hard. If they don't feel like there's the trust in him by the players, then he's got to go. He, he does have to go. But if the players – honestly do trust that it wasn't him that if he just puts it all on his wife and if his wife basically falls on the sword and says no this wasn't him it was me and these are my opinions it's you know then then maybe they can salvage it because what they don't want is to be going through a gm search right now like that's the last thing you want the draft is weeks away the free agency is around the corner. You can't bring in like people are saying, oh, yeah, David Griffin is out there. I mean, David Griffin, I'm sure, is paying attention. But if he comes in and takes over the team, like he still has to get used to the inner workings. He's got to figure out what the ownership wants and what what th- these guys are. you got to know who these players are. It's not just seeing who they are on the floor. Like you got to get to know these people. you got to get to understand what the dynamic is with Embiid, with Markel Fultz. Like, you don't have that long-term sense that Colangelo does. So they, I'm sure there's an element in there that says you got to fire him. But I'm willing to bet that the people in Philly are trying to do everything they can not to fire him because this is such a critical point for that franchise. The Vegas put out the odds already for next season, and right now the the Sixers are slightly better favorites than the Celtics to win the title next year. So Vegas puts the Sixers ahead of the Celtics right now. The odds right now out of Westgate, by the way, Warriors five to four, Rockets seven to two, Sixers seven to two. So right now they put the Sixers and the Rockets as equal. What? And the Celtics. I think that is entirely based on the fact that they don't know what's happening with LeBron James because the Cavs right now I think are like 30 to 1 on that list. And so I think there's an assumption that maybe that they can get LeBron because that's that's the only way I can make sense of that is that they have all this cap space and they think that the Sixers are going to add another piece. Um, sure. But with the G- GM situation, you're right. There's, there's kind of a, a adverse to firing him, but – I think that's why they kind of, if they're going to do that, they need to just pull the Band-Aid and do it immediately so the new guy can to, can come into place. But I don't know. Maybe 
maybe they've reached out to like LeBron's people and he doesn't care about it or, but I mean, you have LeBron making jokes about it in the, his pregame availability, like over the weekend, it's just, it's not a good situation. And I just, I don't know how it, him bringing him back, even if it's like, like the NBA Twitter has already decided that like, this is basically Colangelo. It's hard to even, I don't know how they salvage this situation because it's already been established that he's like been publicly, even if it was him or his wife, it's just going to reflect on him that he's basically shitting on members of his own organization, like crapped all over Joel Embiid, Fultz, uh, Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor. It's just, I think they have, like, I just don't see how he comes back. It just feels like incredibly, like I, if I were them, I, he would have been fired on, on Thursday or Wednesday, as soon as they figured out, like, yes, this is somewhat connected to him. It just doesn't seem like uh, an attainable like situation long term. Like if I'm Paul George, if I'm LeBron James, do I really like want to go into kind of that circus environment? I don't know. It just it's an embar- like it just a, a horrible situation for them to be in, especially when this is supposed to be their offseason where they can bring in that huge piece like LeBron James or Paul George. Um, it really sets them back. And it is hilarious, um, especially because of all the giant collars that Brian Colangelo is wearing. That is, has to be my favorite part of that is find a new slant. It's not that big a collar. When it was a huge collar. <laughs> it was a ridiculous collar. But look, hey, for, first of all, from a purely green goggle perspective, I am enjoying the hell out of this because uh, I said this on the podcast last week. You know, after this season, after that big win streak, and it, people were feeling themselves a little too much in Philly there was a little too much like irrational exuberance going on. And I was like, all right, pump the brakes a little bit. It's nice to have Philly basketball back in the embarrassment zone. Just kind of check them a little bit. Team's going to be good. They're going to have plenty of opportunity to be, you know, to brag for years to come here. It's just kind of nice to get them back in check to like, calm down, everybody. Just calm down. You're still the Sixers. So uh, I'm enjoying that a lot. But, at the same time, I am defending the Sixers by saying, like, I, I just don't think I, I, I'm disagreeing with the automatic death sentence for him because of all of the just how important this offseason is. And he's so deeply involved with, you know, he's been the one that's been working out all of these players. Who are you going to bring in? This is an important draft. This is a really important draft. And. They I think the answer is obvious. You bring back Hinky. Yeah. <laughs> they, I think that's he was like that. That would be the biggest story. Oh my uh, god! Can you imagine if they brought back Hinky? Oh, and then he it tra- would be amazing. And then he just trades everyone in tanks again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fultz, we need more stars. If he gets if he comes back. Fultz would be traded within two weeks. Absolutely, no, no question in my mind. Um, but yeah, I, look. I think that they're trying to do everything they can to a let this die down and b find a way to keep Colangelo if his wife can take the fall and if he can distance himself from that as best he can and if the players accept that yeah maybe he complained about us a little bit but it's it's not like he's not out there kind of undermining what we're doing behind our backs it's somebody else then I, I think they can move forward i really do think they can move forward look everybody says shit everybody says shit 
Like, you don't think that Embiid says shit about teammates? Everybody does. No team has 100% buy-in, kumbaya, everybody loves each other. I'm sure that somebody on the Celtics said something about another player on the Celtics privately to somebody and said, I wish he wouldn't do that. You know? Maybe about Terry Rozier's Snapchat. That's about it. But uh, even those are, are pretty entertaining. But you're right. Like, it's just wild that for all this stuff to come out in, in public. But the crazy thing is, like, they created those burner accounts, like, knowing, like, that it was a, a something they shouldn't be doing. Like, they weren't trying to be caught. But just the fact that, like, it's out there, it, it's, it's hilarious. It but is. it's just really – it's a shitty situation for kind of – the entire 76ers organization. I will give that shout out though. Like you did earlier to the Sixers fans on Twitter for just digging and digging and finding like going in to request new passwords just so they could figure out the last two numbers of a phone, a phone number. And then finding that post that she posted on Facebook somewhere that had her phone number and the number matched like that is crazy. That's that's effective detective work. That's really good shit. And there's a reason we call them InfoWars Twitter because they are have seen the documents. There's wild conspiracies <laughs> going left and right. Just the fact that like that's what we call them, and then they had like a secret document scandal is was perfect. It is and perfect. It's wonderful stuff. Fantastic. I very much enjoy it. All right. Well, hey, we came into this podcast thinking we don't have anything to talk about. We busted out 40 minutes worth of content. So you're welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm also going to call my shot right now uh, because this is going to come out after game two. So it's going to be really cool when J.R. Smith uh, hits eight threes uh, against the in game two and leads the uh, Cavs to a stunning game two victory. I would be shocked if that happened. In fact, I think the Warriors are going to win by 30. Oh, you know JR's going to keep shooting, though. Oh, he will shoot. He'll shoot. He's like Terry Rozier. Shoot till his hands fall off. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk about that game in the next Lockdown Celtics podcast. If you're not a subscriber, please go subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you're new to the show, thanks for listening. Appreciate you hopping on board. We'll be here all throughout the postseason talking about the draft, talking about uh, free agency, talking about Las Vegas Summer League. All of that good, fun stuff. So stay with us throughout the duration of the offseason. If you are a subscriber, go give us that five-star rating and a good review. Share the podcast. Spread the word. Tell people that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.